We're always wondering, we're always asking, what's next? What's ahead? What's, what's down the road? And for, for the redeemed, for the believer, there are many things that lie ahead. It is often through life that we are encouraged, you know, to the idea of us being saved, being redeemed, and going to heaven. And I suppose in the, in the mind of some, and maybe many, that, uh, well, maybe not so many, but if you've given much thought to that, what's that look like? If you were in Sunday school as a child, you may have the idea that, uh, you know, when we go, that we'll go and sit on white puffy clouds with harps in our, you know, if you, you know, sometimes, uh, I don't know whether storybook, comic book, picture book, things in our youth are translated to our limited understanding. And uh, I think there's a lot of people in life that that's the idea that they have, that they're going to, the Lord's going to take them to heaven and that's, that's where you stop thinking. But for the redeemed, for believers in Christ, there are many things that lie ahead. And I just want to read a short portion here out of the book of Revelation, chapter 20, at verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. He cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more. Till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little season. I saw thrones, and they sat They sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Now, the reference was that he saw the souls of these. Because anybody who has been beheaded, humanly, they are now dead. But the Bible says that they will then again rule and reign with him for a thousand years. So... It's not the passing of this life that we look to. It's not even death that we look to. It is the change. The change that will come in a moment and in the twinkling of an eye. We shall all be changed. So there is a change in our living dimension because death has no victory over the believer. 
Now, some of you just went into some real deep thought. I can tell by the look on your face. Go to the book. Read it for yourself. There is much that lies ahead for the believer. There's not a white puffy cloud somewhere with your name on it that you will sit on for eternity. As the redeemed, as believers in Christ, as born again believers, spirit-filled, redeemed, submitted to God, there is much ahead. Much ahead. Praise God. Thank you for opening service for the heart the way that you did. I appreciate the leading of the Holy Ghost in your life so very much. We have, by my invitation today, Elder Heart. Now, they have the, a common first name, Joel and Joel. Now, for me, that's confusing. When they are in the same room together. Okay? But as I explained last week, this is Brother Heart. This is Elder Heart. Elder Heart is the elder of a congregation out in Selah. Okay? Brother Heart serves as the assistant elder in Union Gap. Brother Heart, Elder Heart. I'm going to win this thing. Elder Heart, Sister Heart, God bless you. Good to see you also today. Elder Heart, would you come? And as the Lord would lead you, minister to us by the Spirit and Word of God. Good morning. Good morning. Praise God. It's good to be with you today. And uh, I'm thankful for the Spirit of the Lord that's here and His presence. There is a... What some of you may not identify that you are navigating is there is a an absence. So you need to understand this. It's important to understand. Um, when Elder Flowers is not here, there's an absence. Okay, it's a spiritual absence. I don't mean just physically. Because of the anointing and calling on his life, you do get half of him. It's wonderful to see Sister Loren Flowers here today. And so you get that anointing and flow of ministry that comes with the calling on their lives and their place as she leads in worship today. But there is an absence that comes. Um, so nothing's wrong, but you should identify that. And it's important because you recognize from that, okay, this is more than just a person being present. This is a God-ordained office. And the absence becomes evident to me even if I can't explain it. So therefore, by recognizing that, you must also acknowledge, if I feel that, there must be some relationship between my life and that office. Does that make sense? So mark that. Know that. And so one more reason you should be prayerful for your elder. Amen. I love and appreciate brother and sister flowers very, very much. And 
am thankful God has blessed you with them. And look forward to all that God is continuing to do. Amen? Why don't you talk to the Lord right there where you're at? I think maybe I have direction, but I'm thinking, waiting. Come on, talk to the Lord. Open your mouth, let words come out. Express yourself to Him. Jesus, I worship you this morning. I trust in you. I look to you. You are the author and you are the finisher of our faith. You know our frame today, God. You understand our makeup. You see where we are. You understand every element of our being. There's nothing that's hidden from you. All things are open and naked before you with whom we have to do. You know our thoughts, you know our shortcomings, you know our strengths, you know our needs. We're not here today, Father, with anything hidden from you. And you who looks on our heart and loves us and desires to give good gifts, I pray the ministry of your spirit and your word into lives today. I pray the affirming word and spirit of God as you intend. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, praise God. Praise God. We may just talk for a minute. We'll just see where we end up here. Um, you know, it's an interesting thing about the body of Christ. Uh, you can come together for a church service like this and I, I don't I don't know all of you so some of you may or may not be a guest here or this may be where you said no this is home this is where I'm rooted this is where I belong if a guest can come in whether it's a guest filled with the Holy Ghost or a guest that's a, a lost soul that's seeking God a guest can come in and not change the flow of the service. Okay? Sometimes we think, oh man, that person coming, that really affected the... doesn't work that way. doesn't work that way. But a child of God, a saint that's part of the congregation, you and I can come in and we can affect the flow of the service. One way or the other. Now, you may say, well, it's all on the elder. We'll see what happens. It's all on Sister Flowers and Elder Flowers. They, man, if they'd get it together, the flow of the service this some days or that day. or I think they got it together. You understand? But we want to put all that responsibility. The reality is we are a body, the body of Jesus Christ. Anybody ever hurt your leg, your hip, or your knee? Anybody? couple, three, four of us. You, you, ever, you ever hurt one of those parts and you sort of start favoring a little bit? Maybe you walk like that. You, got, you know what I'm talking about? What is that? that? Well, hold on a minute. That's just one part. How does that affect my whole body? I mean, my body's in good shape. That's just a knee. It doesn't matter. I'm in control of this body. Oh, sure you are until one part starts having pain. You with me? 
And then you realize, whoa, hold on a minute. Oh, okay. And so everything else the rest of your body does, your other leg, your back, your right, everything else works to and adjust how it functions because of that one part. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm protecting it. I'm, maybe it's your ankle or your, right? I got this thing going on with my shoulder and stuff over here. And so, like this arm, I can do this and do that. I'm not going to try that here. I can, I can go about that far back with this hand right here. And so I learned, don't reach, just turn like this. Right? And so, and I'm left-handed, so. And so everything else, I compensate. How do I compensate? I'll be sitting in a chair, and I have a chair by a bookshelf in my house, and so I, I, I might be reading or something, something quick into my thought, and I want to grab a book. Well, it's on my left by design, but I can't, so I have to, I have a swivel chair. So I, I've learned, I have to turn the chair, and I've, I've changed everything how I operate, favoring that one part. That one part affects the function of the whole. You understand this in the natural? So it is in the spiritual. When we come to the house of God, if you're a part of the body of Christ, if you say, this is where I belong, this is where God has planted me, then I'm a part of that. And so when I come in, I affect, you affect, the flow of the service of the Spirit of God and the working of the Spirit of God. Now, some of us don't like that because we're like, hold on a minute, don't, make, don't put that on me. I'm not the elder here. I'm not the worship leader here. I'm not, no, 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 no. But, but the reality is because if we're one body and the scripture teaches us we are, when we come together, we recognize I affect the service. Why do you think the adversary wants you and your, your beloved other to get into a little bit of a spat on the way to church? You know what I'm talking about. You say, hold on a minute. This isn't very spiritual. Yes, it is. This is what happens, and it affects the flow of a service. It, it, it. But if I, Brother Vance, if I, if I come and I'm going, man, I'm going to the house of God today, and I'm joining together with the body of Jesus Christ today, and I want to make sure that my part is fully engaged in what the Spirit of God is doing. I, I can't control what my brother does. I can't control, but I have a part in the body of Jesus Christ. And I have a responsibility to the flow of the Spirit in the service. And so when I come, I want to make sure that I'm connecting with the body. Where do I do that? I do that in the prayer room. I do that in worship. Well, I don't feel like worshiping today. Well, you know what? Sometimes I don't feel like going to work. And I just press beyond what I feel because I know it's a responsibility. And so when I come to the house of God as part of the body of Christ, I acknowledge I have a responsibility to the rest of the body. I'm connected here. I have a responsibility to you to worship when I enter in. Because the Spirit of the Lord inhabits. He dwells in the praises of Israel. He inhabits the praises of His people. And so I have a responsibility to you to connect with you in praise so the Spirit of God can begin to manifest itself. What am I saying? I'm saying I own some of this. You own some of this. If I... Man, I think we're going to shift gears in a second. But if, if I'm sitting here and I'm going, yeah, that song doesn't do it for me, Sister Flowers. Maybe we'll see if another one does it. I know none of you have ever done this. I don't like that song. Yeah, why does she sing that song? 
Are you here? Is it, I'm, I'm not trying to meddle. Right? It's a lot better sometimes. It would just tell me something that inspires me. I'll leave inspired. The Holy Ghost wants you and I to know you have a responsibility. Everybody say responsibility. My dear friend, Brother Pedro in Italy, helped me the other day. He started studying the word responsibility. He got all the way back, I think, to either 1300s or 1500s. And he said it came from the word respondability. One's ability to respond is their responsibility. That's where it came from. I have a responsibility. I have an ability to respond. I'm just choosing whether I fulfill my responsibility. So when we come to the house of God, we all own the flow of a service. Are you, you hearing me? Every single one of us own, and by own, I mean we have a part in what we bring. I'm going to connect. I'm going to plug in. I'm going to see. Sister Magda is going to connect. I'm going to connect. Brother Vance is going to connect. Brother Kyle is going to connect. Brother Timothy is going to. Every single one of us are going to bring our part and say, you know, I can't do Brother Kyle's part. I can't do Sister Dora's part. But I can do my part as the body. I'm not going to be that knee. The whole rest of the body sort of adjusting because of what I brought today. I didn't bring my part. I'm, I'm just going to sit here today and I hope you all worship good because I need some stuff. And no, I'm, man, Lord, what are you doing to me? Don't you like it and love it when you come to the house of God and the spirit of God just begins to move. Sister Flowers begins to play. People begin to worship. You lift your hands. The presence of God wraps around you. You feel the warmth of His Spirit flooding your soul. You're getting answers to things. The cares of life are lifting off your shoulders. You feel God ministering even before anybody takes a microphone. You just hear worship and something's happening. Don't you love it when that takes place? That's not just some automatic thing. That's when we come together in the unity of the Spirit. And every one of us says, I brought my part. I'm lifting my praise. I'm connecting with the body. I'm going to be one of those that helps bring and usher in the presence of God. You have a part. I can't do your part. You can't do mine. But I don't want to be that knee either. Right? We feel that in the body. Now, when we come together and all of us come and we're all carrying our portion, as the Lord would lead us, we're engaging, we're responding to the Spirit of God accordingly. That lost soul comes in. That person that's seeking direction comes in that's maybe not a part of the body. And all of a sudden, they feel the flow of the Spirit. And they go, something's happening. I, I've not experienced this before, but something's going on here. What is? That's the unity of the Spirit. And where there's unity, the Lord commands a blessing. Where there's unity, He commands a blessing. And unity is saying, I'm going to do my part in the body. Amen. Pray with me before we go a little further. We're going to shift gears here, I think. But Jesus, in your name, I want to do my part. Come on, talk to Him about your part. This is one of those examples right here. You're praying. You're talking to the Lord. God, I want to do my part. I want to fulfill my function in your body. I want to fulfill my purpose 
in your body. I want to be strength to my brother, strength to my sister. I want to connect as you would connect. You placed me in the body as it pleased you. And so therefore, Lord, let me connect according to your design and engage with you and your spirit and what you're doing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Um, I want to just take a few minutes here. and I'll go to the book of Job. Most of us have heard and know the story of Job. I believe it was Norman Vincent Peale that said if he could only have one book, that one book would be the book of Job. He said everyone should have the book of Job. And most of us know the story of Job. He had all of this, what we would call blessing in his life, all of these material goods, camels and sheep and cattle and houses and his children. He had all of these things. And the hand of the Lord moved against Job. You ever read that? Maybe we'll go back to Job 1 instead of Job 38. We might end up in Job 38, but let's go to Job 1. For, did I say 38 already? Let's go to Job 1. Job 1 and verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them. The Lord said to Satan, where are you coming from? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. Verse 8, the Lord said to him, notice the Lord brought it up. Satan, Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that fears God and eschews evil. He fears God, he hates evil. Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for naught or for nothing? Verse 10. Have you not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he has on every side? You bless the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. Notice there, verse 10, the Lord didn't deny any of that. Satan said, you put a hedge about him, his house, everything he has on every side. You bless the work of his hand. This is, we can read right over that because we know the rest of the story. But you should pause for a moment and realize this is what God does for his people. He put a hedge on every side. He blessed him. He did these things in his life. But now Satan's still talking to the Lord. Verse 11. He says, but now put forth your hand. Touch all that he has, and he'll curse you to your face. Now you see what Satan just said? We missed this part. Lord, put forth your hand. We've often taught 
Satan did all this to Job. I don't find it in the word. Lord, put forth your hand. Now let's read a little further. Skip down for sake of time. Chapter 2. Same thing. Satan comes and presents himself with the sons of God. Verse 3. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in the earth. I think the Lord liked bragging on Job. I think he liked saying, just rubbing it in Satan's face. Look at this guy. Have you considered him? There's none like him in the earth. Perfect, upright man, fears God, excuse evil. And still, watch what the Lord says. And still, he holds fast his integrity, although you move me against him. Hold on, who's moving against him? The Lord said, you move me against him. Some of you are struggling with this already, thinking, hold on a minute, God's doing all of this? Yeah. You understand. Well, let's just read further. Although you move me against him to destroy him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, yea, all that a man has will he give for his life. Verse 5. But put forth your hand now. Whose hand are we talking about? God's hand. Put forth your hand now and touch all he has. Do you recognize everything that happened in Job's life was the hand of God? I didn't say that. The word of God says that. It was the hand of God in his life. Why? Well, you have to read the whole story. But it was the hand of God reaching in, in the wisdom and the knowledge of God, who knows the end from the beginning, even though we do not, he does. And so it was the hand of God that reached in. And and life throws things our way that we just can't wrap our mind around. But we have to have a confidence that the hand of God is in it somehow. And God's hand has reached into Job's life. And it's all his wife can take. You know, it's easy to forget she was suffering along with him. We read about Job. We talk about Job. And the only thing we say about his wife is, well, she spoke like a foolish woman. That's what he said. Right? Job said to her, you speak like a foolish woman. And so that's the only thing we remember about Job's wife. Hold on a minute. Let's give her a little grace here, a little mercy. Job's wife lost everything too. Job's wife lost all of her children. Job's wife lost all of the material things they had. Job's wife suffered all of that. You think, it's one thing for Job, imagine what a mother was dealing with when she learns all of her kids are dead. It's easy to write off Job's wife and think, well, she just didn't have a good relationship with God. (laughs) Careful how you judge someone in their pain. Careful how you judge someone in their pain. She's had enough, and so she, we, the Scripture gives us a look into the intimate relationship between a husband and a wife, and we hear these words of this wife expressing to her husband. You know, it's one of the few places where we get a rare look inside of a home in a marriage. 
The Lord put that there for us. It's easy to go, oh, well, this was just public knowledge. No, God gave us an intimate look inside of a home when a woman expressed herself to her husband in her place of pain. And she expressed to Job, why don't you just curse God and die? And we hold that over her. We indict her for that statement because she spoke from her place of pain and not understanding. And she just couldn't. And she just thought, let's just quit. Let's, anybody ever felt like just quitting, just giving up? Just what's the use? That's where she was. And can you fault her for that? Anybody here been where she is that would fault her for saying, I just want to quit. I don't want to. Why keep going? And this was her expression in her private place with her husband. She said, why don't you just curse God and die? And Job had the boldness of faith in God to say, you speak like a foolish woman. He didn't call her a foolish woman. He said, right now you're speaking like one. And he makes this statement. Now we know that, but we don't always remember the next verse. He makes this statement. He says, shall we receive good? From where? At the hand of the Lord. And not evil. Job knew. What's happening to me right now is the hand of God. He knew what had been declared in the heavens. He had a relationship with God that even in his circumstance, he identified what we're receiving right now. I'm not giving the adversary credit for this. The hand of God has reached into our life. And whatever he's doing, he knows. I don't understand. We read it later, I think, in the 22nd chapter of Job. He said, I go to the left. He's not there. The right, forward, back. I can't find him. But this I know. He knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. He had a confidence in the hand of God in his life. Even when it wasn't going the way he would have liked it to go, he never started thinking, God's removed his hand. Do you realize the difference when I recognize, even in my trial, test, and trouble, the hand of God is in my life. I'd rather be in pain and problem with the hand of God in my life than in perfection and blessing with God's hand removed from my life. Some people are so interested in everything going good that they don't care if God's hand's in it or not. And it's a deception of the adversary that will cause me to try to live my life on a path that everything's good. No problems. Everything's okay. Okay, yeah, it's good today. My finances are in good order. This is in good order. Everything. And what we're doing is saying, God, I want your hand in my life when it's good. But if it's bad, I'd rather just have things be good rather than have the hand of God in my life. Job recognized in my trouble, in my loss, in my pain, in my grief, in my hurt, his hand is here. And I just want the hand of God in my life. Your hand is in my life, Lord. I want it in my life. Would you talk to Him right now? I just want your hand in my life. God, sometimes I'm blinded by the hurt. Sometimes I'm blinded by the circumstance. But open my eyes to see the hand of God in my life. Job had such a relationship with God that he realized even in all of his circumstance and loss, this is the hand of God. So Job talks to God a while. And you know what's beautiful to me and painful just the same? You read through the next, from chapter 2 
chapter 3. You read from chapter 3 through chapter 37. So however many chapters that is, about 35 chapters. And Job's friends have showed up. At least the scripture calls them his friends. You know, it's painful when you're in a place you didn't choose. But God's hand chose it. And people show up and they just want to say the right stuff. They, got all the, they want to have all the answers. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Some of you. And they're trying to say something. Advice, help, encouragement, strength. Something. And you're sitting there and you're listening and you're going, you, you don't know what I'm. You don't know what I'm. Anybody ever been there? Job went through 35 chapters of that. It was several days. Matter of fact, I think, if I remember right, they showed up and for the first three days, they didn't say anything. They just sat and stared at him. Can you imagine what was going on in their mind? Man, he was this, but who's going to talk first? Three days, they sat and just stared at him. I'd have, I'd have probably just said something. Stop staring at me. Leave. If you're, I don't know, but he didn't say anything either for three days. This was a real thing that happened. This was a man. This was a human being that was in hurt, that had suffered some things at the hand of God. His friends show up, and for 35 chapters, Job and his friends go back and forth, just philosophizing, if that's a word. Something like that, you understand. Talking back and forth and sharing, you know, maybe this, and you could, it could be that you've sinned. Maybe this is, I know what the problem is. This could be, maybe you need to do, you know, you should humble yourself. Job, you there, how come, why? ah, That's how it feels when you read all of that. I mean, and you read it, there's some good stuff in there. There's some, it's the word of God. So you draw some things out of it that are spiritual truths. But man, those guys were just not helpful. They weren't. And for 35 chapters, this goes on. But Job, Job sits there and listens and dialogues with them a little bit and shares some things and they share some stuff and they're going back and forth. But Job sees something and knows something they don't know. Job knows in the midst of all of that noise, the hand of God is doing this. The hand of God is in my life. You may be trying to give me help. You may be trying to encourage. You may be trying to, but God's hand is in this. I haven't done this. You're trying, but God's hand is in this. He has a firm, resolute conviction. God's hand is in my life. I may not have chosen this. I wouldn't have chosen this, but God's hand is here. And one thing I know, I'll not step out of the hand of God. One thing I'll know, I'll not ask Him to remove His hand from me. I may not like what He's doing. I may not understand why He's doing it, but I'm not going to ask God to take His hand off until He's done with what He's doing. Job understood in the midst of all the noise of his friends, God's hand is here. I would that someone today would hear and know wherever and whatever the hand of God is at work. Now watch. All this goes on for 35 chapters of conversation. And I would imagine in my, you know, God gets frustrated can read in scripture he gets frustrated he gets angry God's listened to all of this for however many days it's been and finally 
the Lord says, I think it's about time that I say some things. And so in verse chapter 38, the Lord shows up. I'm like, hold on. No, it's not. Somehow my Bible turned to Psalm. Job 38. And the scripture says in the first verse, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. I want you to notice something here. The Lord didn't try to address all of his friends. The Lord came and just spoke to Job. Now his friends were there. But the Lord was interested in Job. It was about Job's life in this situation. And so the Lord shows up and he begins to talk to Job. And you could read all of these other chapters proceeding and hear Job making his statements. You know, he says, my complaint is bitter. He talks about all these things he's been dealing with and his expression to the Lord. And he's laid it out. And so you think the Lord's going to show up and just come alongside and say, you know, Job, it's going to be all right. Right? Job, buddy, it's okay. You know, just hang in there. Don't you... That's, I mean, that's what God should do. That's not what He does. Skip all the way down to verse, um, let's try 36. And I'll see if that's right. 37. Look, these are questions the Lord's asking, Job. Who can number the clouds in wisdom? Who can stay the bottles of heaven? Verse 38. When the dust grows, the Lord's talking about all of the stuff that he does in his great power. Skip up. Sorry, go back. Verse 19. I went too far. Watch what the Lord asked Job. You could read all the questions in chapter 38, but watch this. Job, where's the way where the light dwells? Anybody got an answer for that? Job, as for darkness, where's its place? Keep going. That you should take it to the bound thereof, and that you should know the path to the house thereof. Anybody know all that about light and dark when it comes and where it's placed and where it's bound and who controls all that? That's what he's asking Job. Next verse. Do you know it because you were then born when all that was put in place, Job? Were you alive when that happened? Now, obviously, the Lord is being rhetorical, but he's drawing Job to understanding some things. In the midst of his circumstance, Job, were you there? Were you born already when darkness said no further? Were you there, Job, when light was told to shine forth out of the darkness? Job, were you there when the stars and moon were set in place? Were you there? Do you know the path, Job? Do you know the place of those things? Of course, Job didn't, but Job understood The one who's asking the question knows. The one who's asking the question was there. The one who's asking the question holds all of it in his power. Watch, he goes a little bit further there. Next verse. Job, have you entered into the treasures of the snow? Or have you seen the treasures of the hail? Next verse. Which I've reserved against the time of trouble. Against the day of battle and war. Do you know it's snowing outside right now? 
It's really pretty. I love snow. I love, some of you look at me like I'm crazy. I love snow. They tell me, I'm not taking the time to look at them all, but they tell me that there's no two snowflakes alike. You ever heard that? I'm sure it's true. Somebody smarter than me probably figured that out somehow. No two snowflakes alike. How many snowflakes do you think are falling out there right now? Anybody got a number? How many snowflakes do you think have fallen in your lifetime? In the earth. Job, have you entered into the treasures, the place where I hold the snow and decide when I want it to fall and where I want it to fall? And the fact that no two are even alike across the face of the earth for all of time. And I hold that in reserve and determine when it should be released. Have you witnessed that, Job? Do you see what God's doing? God is bringing Job back to the realization. As long as I'm in his hand, it's the very same hand that did all of that. It's the very same hand that controls all of that. It's the very same hand that has all power and authority. That has entered into things, controls things, sees things and knows things. I can't even begin to fathom if I try to wrap my mind around it. That very same God has His hand in my life. That very same God has allowed these things and brought these things that I can't relate to, that I wish I had answers for, that I don't, that I wish I could get beyond, but I can't right now. But He knows the way that I take. Job's remembering. And when He's done, when this process He's working in my life is finished, when His hand doing what He's doing in my life is finished, I've determined something about it, Job said. I've determined that when it's run its course according to the design of God, I will come forth as gold. I'm not going to give in to this. I'm not going to be destroyed by this because the hand of God is in it. My confidence is in Him, not in it. And when Job finally spoke to him, or when God finally spoke to him, He reminded him of the greatness of God and the goodness of God. And what's powerful about all that, stand with me. Is when he did, Job was done with every complaint. He didn't have to tell God anything else about what he was facing, going through, dealing with. Job just had one response. Oh God. He just simply repented and worshipped God. He simply repented and acknowledged God's greatness and His goodness in His hand. And then the Lord came to Job. Said, hey, those friends of yours. The ones that you probably would have rather just kicked out. Job. I want you to pray, and I want you to pray for those friends. He didn't say, talk to me about your situation, Job. Pray for those friends. And it's a beautiful passage in Scripture in Job 40 or 41. It says that when Job prayed for his friends, 
the ones who didn't understand what he was going through but tried to? I believe Job Job prayed that they would have revelation that he had. That their eyes would be open to see that this is the hand of God like he knew. That they would hear what the Lord had said. When he began to pray for his friends, the scripture says the Lord turned the captivity of Job. Read it. His focus went off of that and he just trusted it into the hands of God. And when Job began to pray for his friends, the Lord stepped in and said, now it's time. I'm going to turn his captivity. I'm going to turn the situation. I don't know where you are today. I don't know all your circumstances, situations. I don't need to. The one who knows the treasures of the snow does. The one who holds all that in reserve and holds the wind in his hand. The one who set the light, the sun, the moon, the stars. The one who controls all of that. Our God knows exactly where. And if you can purpose, Lord, I'm just content to be in your hand. Whatever that means right now in my life. As long as your hand's on my life. You don't have to take me out of this. You don't have to change this. You don't have to fix this. Just let your hand have its perfect work through this. That's what I'm asking for, Lord. And those around me that are looking and watching me go through what your hand is taking me through. God, I'm praying for them. I pray that something happened in their spirit. That through what you're taking me through, it would begin to minister to their life. Through what you're leading me through, that it would begin to have an effect according to your will, your design, your desire upon their heart. That your purpose would not only affect in me, but it would affect those about me that have watched and participated in what I've gone through in some element or way. God, I'm praying for them today. Would you begin to talk to the Lord right now? I'm opening this altar to you if you'd like to find a place of prayer today. I believe the hand of God is working in many lives here this morning. I believe the hand of God is at work in many lives here this morning. The Holy Ghost would simply bring a little bit of a shift of perspective and understanding because of His love for us. I'll receive at your hand, Lord, that which you have determined. I'll receive at your hand, Lord, that which you have determined because you will use it for your purpose in my life. In Jesus' name. 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 Come on, talk with Him. Talk with Him. Let Him bring greater understanding. Let Him bring some revelation today. Some of you came in here with a lot of questions and may not have gotten the answer that you hoped for, but I really feel like the Holy Ghost has given you some answers today. You realize when the hand of God begins working in your life, its purpose is always to bring you into greater place with Him. It's always to bring you into greater place with His will and His purpose in and through your and my life. It may not be comfortable, but if it affects you and I for what He intends, then then so be it, God. I want Your hand working in my life. I want Your hand ever in the affairs of my life. I want Your hand ever in the relationships of my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus'
Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, you read through the all those chapters in Job, and it kind of just dawned on me today that most of that convincing that his friends were trying to do is them trying to convince him that what is happening to him was his fault and that he had he had done something wrong to cause all that to happen and I believe that was part of the inner struggle for Job was he was like if I've done all this wrong then what do I have to change to to fix it all and he, he had to get to the point to realize, no, I didn't do anything wrong and I can't fix it. <laughs> I, I can't take responsibility for the way it's going and I sure can't take responsibility for trying to get it back to where it, I think it should be or back to that place. And that was, of course, the place God wanted him to get to, that place of surrender, that place of humility where he cast all his cares on the Lord and submitted himself under the hand of God. And Peter talks about casting our cares on him and him in in due season, he'll lift us up. That appointed time once he knows, okay, they're they're humble enough to handle what I what I want to take them into, what I want to use them for in these end times. And the pressures of the church may be feeling a lot of the pressures of the world right now as well. But I think as we continue to learn the lessons that God's teaching us, there's soon there's going to be a turning of the hand of God. We're not going to just have to be under his hand, but we're going to be on his hand, lifted up to a point of, of influence with the world and influence showing them the way to Jesus. Amen. So I'm so thankful for his ministry today. Why don't we just thank him one more time as we close. Father, I thank you for your spirit of ministry here, for every life you've spoken to, Jesus. I pray this word would be received in my spirit, received in my heart, God, that I not just hear it with my ears and receive it in my head, but that it would be planted deep within me. It would be watered throughout this week, Jesus. I want to be humble before you, God. I want to be submitted into your hand, Jesus so that you can use me the way that you want to use me for this harvest. God, for the glory and the purpose of the kingdom, I pray. All the glory be to you, Jesus. All the glory be to you, Father. Amen. You greet someone on your way out and have a blessed rest of your Sunday. Amen. You're dismissed.